Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. So I want to start with a disclaimer that I want to remind you that this is not a substitute for therapy. This is for educational and entertainment purposes, and that you should definitely seek out therapy help with someone within your area to be able to work on your new unique issues. And if you're interested, who we're going to be talking to today might be another option too, depending on where you are. So I'm going to be upfront. We're recording this in November, and I figure this is going to be the first reporting for 2022. So hello to everybody in 2022. I hope you've had a good holiday and that you're going to be starting this new year off with, a, with growth and change. So today we're going to be talking with a therapist that I met at a uh, group training, a group training, a group consultation meeting here. Uh, brilliant man who has leveraged not just his ability as a therapist, but his ability to build businesses as well to create not one, but two other programs designed to help with mental health. One of those especially, which I know we're going to be talking about today, is for black male executives. So today I'm pleased to introduce you to Jewel Lewis, or sorry, Jewel Love, I don't know where Lewis came from, uh, MFT. So Jewel, Welcome to Untying Knots. Thank you. I appreciate it and uh, glad to be here. Not a problem. So how did you get started in all of this? A- absolutely. Well, in uh, college, I was really uh, woken up to uh, racial injustices in the United States. Now, of course, I knew about uh, the history of uh, slavery and anti-black racism in the United States. I've seen, you know, roots and things like that and uh, and read a little bit about it. However, uh, living in the San Francisco Bay Area, very multicultural atmosphere in a somewhat sheltered uh, Buddhist up- upbringing and community, I wasn't so much privy to the whole history and how it um, kind of had been infused throughout American culture and institutions up Mm. until I went to college and started learning about the uh, history that was there. And it very much went against my um, understanding and and indoctrination Mm -hmm. of uh, the United States being a both free and fair society uh, from its inception. So Mm -hmm. I started learning and saying, wow, there's this whole other worldview uh, and viewpoints in, in reality. And I decided to major in uh, black studies mm-hmm. and learning about it. I became very um, enraged, healthy response. I'd say proper response mm-hmm. uh, to learning about this information and became a student activist within the black community and was successful in many ways that activists can be. However, I noticed that even in my activism success, there was this kind of uh, uh, of a black hole inside of me that just could not uh, become full through this activism work. So the more work I did, the more upset I felt. It was this 
odd paradox that mm-hmm. I was actually working to solve issues and problems. And as I, in fact, was able to, you know, stumble across or come across some effective solutions, I actually felt worse inside. And the methods I was using to get these results oftentimes damaged and broke relationships around me. So this very interesting, in some ways contradictory experience that I was having that ultimately was unsatisfying to me. And I had to look at those results, the internal Mm -hmm. results, not just Mm -hmm. the external ones. And uh, with that being the case, I decided to leave activism behind. So I graduated, uh, black studies major, and went into the world on more of a spiritual quest, a spiritual journey, where I studied, start, started studying uh, world religions. So I turned to the uh, more of a spiritual religious mm-hmm. path, kind of looking for answers of both how I could make an impact and simultaneously um, have a better lived experience internally. Studied many world religions, uh, learned a lot from them, and yet what was missing for me was something personalized as opposed to learning about uh, somebody else's journey or a, hmm. uh, be it a priest or a, um, or a priest or things of this in their path. We lost you there a second. So, could you say that again? We had a little disruption in the signal. Oh, sure. It, as opposed to studying a priest or a prophet's path and... Uh, mimicking what they had mm-hmm. done, uh, there was something I think more personalized that I was looking for because although I'm not a priest or a prophet, I'm having mm-hmm. my own kind of spiritual unfolding here mm-hmm. and needing a narrative that speaks more squarely to my own uh, experience. Around my, you know, I'd say 26th, 27th year, began questioning my sexuality, which had been heterosexual up until that point. Mm-hmm. And that was something that really walked me to the edge of my social circles and familial circles um, at that time as far as conversations that I could have with them that they really could understand. And that is what then opened the doorway to me for psychotherapy. That's Mm -hmm. when I started getting, Mm -hmm. you need to go (laughs) to therapy conversation. (laughs) Uh We can't help with this topic Mm -hmm. uh, to provide you with any clarity. You need those kind of conversations started coming my way. So I I did. And um, I found a a gay-centered Jungian uh, psychologist in West Hollywood his name is Dr. Donald Kilhefner, and he was, I guess you say is or was, a pioneer in uh, as far as gay community psychotherapy is concerned, mm-hmm. um, and helped to uh, found uh, the LGBTQ plus center in uh, uh, West Hollywood, and also was one of the founding uh, members or pioneers in the uh, Radical Fairies uh, Mm -hmm. movement slash uh, organization um, at the time. And so this was really his contribution and specialty alongside something I later learned about called the the men's movement. 
And I didn't know what this was uh, about. So starting meeting with Don, it was very scary for me at first because I didn't know psychotherapy. I didn't know psychology. I didn't know. I didn't know if I was getting set up for like to be in a relationship with this man. I didn't know what. (laughs) I didn't know what was going on. (laughs) I just got a solid recommendation to go see him from somebody I deeply trusted. Mm-hmm. And I was out of answers. So I said yes and did it up. And I remember walking into the office and uh, there's uh, two, three, two or three things that I immediately remember seeing when walking into the office. One was two men hugging butt naked in the middle of a river. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's interesting. This was <laughs> a picture on the wall? Picture on the wall. And the second thing was a picture of Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. I said, wow. And so the level of trust for me in seeing a picture of Malcolm X, and he's a white therapist, mm-hmm. I said, he gets it. This dude definitely gets it. Uh, on some level, I can talk to this guy. Mm-hmm. So for the next two and a half years, I do talk to him uh, and have a absolutely transformative uh, experience uh, working with him and really gra- learning, grasping, and then internalizing principles of uh, psychotherapeutic uh, uh, that lead to psychotherapeutic change, psychological mm-hmm. transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was able to explore uh, my, my sexuality, sexual orientation, even gender uh, through conversations with him which mm-hmm. was really um, very liberating uh, for me just to explore this part of, uh, I'd say myself, but also society, really, simultaneously. And um, as Carl Jung would talk about, uh, the psychological shadow being parts of ourselves that we hide, repress, and deny. So just kind of shining a conscious light on it was very helpful for me. Um, ultimately, uh, you know, I, I found it most comfortable to reside uh, in uh, uh, heterosexual uh, uh, sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. But for me to be able to explore, I'd say that mm-hmm. side of myself uh, was just very liberating to know, like, what's there? Mm-hmm. What's this kind of experience like mm-hmm. for me? Um, and so I don't have to stay up late nights and wonder and curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sleep mm-hmm. like a rock <laughs> now because mm-hmm. I, well, yeah, I know it's behind you're centered door in yourself centered in myself i know it's behind number door door one two and three at this point mm-hmm. uh for me anyway and so that was just very um i, I say affirming mm-hmm. uh, kind of my whole self to be able to explore and yet there was something else that was even more of what i'd say uh, a stumbled upon surprise for me which was around uh uh this whole men's movement mm-hmm. and some of the things I learned there around uh, men um, exploring and being able to express uh, themselves or ourselves uh, emotionally uh, with vulnerability and uh, around psychological vulnerability with another man. Mm-hmm. And so that was a massive piece for me. Mm-hmm. And to be able to explore that and weave that into my identity and, and psychological um, sense of wholeness was really a homecoming for me. 
And it, it had me then no longer questioning, am I, am I a man? Because I have mm-hmm. feelings, mm-hmm. because I have vulnerable aspects. No, I certainly am. And it's just a, a next step or dimension in uh, my progression in maturing as a man. And mm-hmm. centering that in this whole men's movement where men were coming together and talking about their feelings. And mm-hmm. being vulnerable and that being different mm-hmm. than the defined kind of Marlboro man, stiff upper right. lip, not showing vulnerability right. uh, that on some level I had identified with uh, up until that point. So just a phenomenal healing transformational experience. And then, you know, I remember sitting across from my therapist and saying, wait, you get paid to have these deep conversations with people all day. You know, I, I'm used to selling cars and trying, you know, being a teacher for kids. And these other jobs are fine, but this is profound work. Mm-hmm. And you just get to sit in that comfortable looking chair and just talk about deep stuff all day. And people just pay you every time you do it. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, this is it. This is your next step. It's my next step. And it's not only who I am in the world, it's how I am in the world. And that was the great revelation and confirmation for me that all the seeking and the searching and things of this nature that for me had really started kind of kicked off in awareness in college. Mm -hmm. I found in this profession And it was a way of being that was a confirmation for who I am. Mm -hmm. And that was the homecoming. And and he said, well, you could do it too. And so I started exploring um, psychology schools to get my master's. And I did. And ultimately ended up uh, getting my um, marriage and family therapist uh, license at the end of this entire process. Right. And uh, starting a business specifically for black men to bring back the Malcolm X and the activism Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of pieces, but weaving in with the the, the gem or the jewel, my own namesake that I found around Mm -hmm. psychology and psychotherapy in this way of being, I can't stress that enough, being so satisfactory and fulfilling even in a world that has the history I spoke of before, and some, if not many, of the present factors uh, still lingering on and active today. Mm-hmm. So that was the element of freedom that I was able to find, and now I'm able to um, uh, really guide others in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my one-on-one private practice, and then we'll get to the whole group practice and expansion right. and things of that later. But uh, yeah, so that's really been the, the the full story there, the full fullisher download of how this uh, how I got on this path, and it really came about for me. Which just speaks very much to some of the deeper issues we have in our society about how men are normalized, how it is for us to have this connection, the elements that are missing in that aspect of our deeper development as beings, which obviously we hear many women complain about why doesn't he connect? Why can't he speak to his feelings? Why can't he be vulnerable to this? It's like how many different things are going on in this world that are telling us not to be that. 
or shoving it deeper and down because we've also been seen as less than for being connected to that, which that is an integral part of all humans and especially men. And has influenced so many of the other problems we're talking about as well as in our culture and in dealing with racism and dealing with narcissism as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. All of those are in part of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you started your business, which is another one of those things of this. We sit with the struggle of being men is that we're either expected to be followers working in the factory or being the businessmen. And if we're a businessman, we're supposed to be cold hearted. Okay. I hear, I, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> And yet to also do the work we do as therapists and run business, we can't live with that way. We can't be cold hearted about the business and be not in touch with having these deep, profound conversations with the people who are coming to us and bearing their vulnerability, bearing their pain, or looking for that other perspective to help them grow. I would agree. Yeah. So you moved into private practice, working as a therapist, and what sparked this other area, this group practice, this, this, at the time I knew it as the Golden Rhinos? You know, it's interesting, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought the, the, this mythological element, uh, which mm-hmm. stems back to my own time and experience uh, because my, my initial psychologist uh, was a youngin, so there's a lot of uh, conversations around symbolism, dream mm-hmm. work, things of, of that nature. What did it signify? Uh, and so I've carried that with me, and and uh, and I look for those things mm-hmm. as well because I know there's power in them. Um, so as far as the group practice was concerned, uh, I've uh, had a life that's worked in cycles. Mm-hmm. And it typically starts off when I enter into a, a phase of life or a particular institution where I start where most people start, and that's on the bottom of the, the institution, and you got to kind of work your way up and figure things out. Um, but I and I usually struggle in, mm-hmm. in those initial points of finding you know like really where I belong, understanding the system and structure, and so I usually do a few years of study. Uh, and then as I reach a level of seniority, you know, high school or college or now in this, this phase of, of, uh, of adulthood, if you will, um, and, and moving in, 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 into my, definitely into my middle years as an adult um, and figuring things out here is what's broken and what's a solution. Mm-hmm. What's broken, what's a potential solution on a social institutional uh, level. And so when I was in high school, there was an issue of freshmen coming in feeling disconnected. So when I became a senior, I started a mentorship program mm-hmm. that uh, combined seniors and freshmen. And it worked great. Mm-hmm. When I was in uh, UC Santa Barbara, as far as undergrad, uh, the feeling of black students feeling disconnected from university life, PYWs, uh, largely white institutions throughout the mm-hmm. UC system. A lot of Asian, excuse me, a lot of Asian students as well, but just primarily and culturally, uh, 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 majority white institutions on mm-hmm. Oregon. And then starting up an organization called the 
University of California, African Black Coalition that united all the ASUs and BSUs throughout California, providing mm-hmm. a sense of um, of unity and camaraderie. And these were events that just very much exploded in terms of feeling a belonging and connection for black students. So again, institutional. Mm-hmm. And then the universities are the ones that pay for it, helps with retention, things of that nature. And then now, uh, one of the places was around black men in corporate America. Similar dynamic is in a college of black men feeling uh, unseen, unheard, unvalued. Mm-hmm. And so in this one-on-one space, offering them the tools and the experiences for them to get what's not had in the workplace, to be that a support, an optimizer, so they can move back into their work or starting their own entrepreneurial pursuit mm-hmm. uh, in a ways that launches them further in toward uh, greater success and wholeness and inner peace inside. And then seeing just this greater opportunity, I can't be the one to provide services to all these black men. In fact, I'm not the only one out here doing this work. And there's a lot of other therapists, black men that want to be doing this work in corporate or with corporate clients, Mm -hmm. men that work in corporate environments and don't know how to necessarily reach these men. So Mm -hmm. the idea of black executive men is a national, really international organization that provides coaching for men Uh, black men in the corporate environment worldwide, but also psychotherapy services as well is what has more recently been uh, put on the table. And we've started Mm -hmm. hiring and brought on a number of coaches are going to be looking into the regulation to expand psychotherapy services on at least now a a national basis and reaching out to uh, Fortune 500 companies themselves and doing presentations to let these men know about our services, provide them some value, provide a channel for them to get one-on-one services uh, as well as what's really on the table to the point where we're looking at getting a thousand client sessions uh, a week, which is significant for the Mm -hmm. uh, black men in corporate America uh, demographic and population. So That's where we're leaning into the men that we have on staff as far as our speakers, national speaking director, other um, coaching staff are very much excited about this mission that we're now on and the opportunity to uh, impact black men's lives just across the board, across the corporate sector. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, just a very exciting time and exciting movement. Good. So could you tell us a bit more about what black male executives are experiencing that your services are going to be providing? Because again, there's this aspect of what is the actual image people have is the reality versus this perceived thought about what it means to be a black executive. The number one ter- uh, word that comes to mind is lonely. These men are lonely. Uh, And it's not just that they're isolated, because they're definitely isolated as well. But there's a sense of loneliness that comes along with it. Uh, So oftentimes these guys have been, so we talk about lonely, is the only, uh, this may be the uh, only black kid in their elementary or junior high or high school or college or company currently or department or highly likely level of seniority. Hmm. 
now, now I gotta say, for Black Executive Men, that is the name uh, of our business. Uh, however, our clients are not necessarily all executives. We have a lot of middle manager types that come in as well. As you know, corporations are these, uh, especially F500, huge. We're talking, mm-hmm. let's say, 80,000, 100,000. Microsoft has 180,000 employees worldwide. So there's a lot of room in that middle management sector for employees to uh, really carry out their entire careers. Um, and so many of the guys that we work with, are some are in the C-suite, the bulk are in middle management. Mm-hmm. However, black executive men speaks to an aspirational identity of our clients. And yet what they're experiencing, whether they're on the highest echelon or in that middle echelon, mm-hmm. it's still a lot of uh, similarities. And it's uh, dealing with uh, racial microaggressions in the workplace um, or aggressions that aren't necessarily uh, micro for that matter. Right. And having to keep themselves composed. The, mm-hmm. um, the um, experience or uh, philosophy of having to work twice as hard for uh, half as much. It's something that they're continuously experiencing, having to down uh, blackness is along with that as far as experiences. You're breaking up a little. You're breaking up a little. Say that again, please. Oh, sure. So as far as these men being transparent on their views on race or racism uh, oftentimes are things they have to walk delicately Mm -hmm. uh, as far as sharing them or not Mm -hmm. and having their co-workers or colleagues uh, agree or disagree could in fact impact their employment or their rapport and comfort in the company so Mm -hmm. these are some of the elements which they're constantly taking into account that take mm-hmm. mental and emotional energy as they need to, in some ways, manage their other employees uh, or colleagues from a racialized standpoint, which some of their white colleagues may or may not have to do. All righty. So I think that's a good place for us to take a break here. We're going to be coming back and continue our talk with Jewel Love and talking on black male executives and dealing with just being in that environment. So Stay tuned here on Untying Knots, uh, Minds and Souls Untethered. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. 
I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm here with Jewel Love, licensed marriage and family therapist, and also the founder and CEO of the Blackmail Executive Program. So Jewel, you are just talking about, uh, before we went to break, about how many Black executives feel alone in their field, in their industry, and many of them, whether they're in the executive suite or in middle management, are struggling to be able to speak about their presence without necessarily alienating their workforce and those or those that they work with, which then makes the job untenable. So Mm -hmm. where would you like to go further from there in talking about this experience? And especially one of those experiences informing a, uh, a practice around this is also dealing, I know, with the entrepreneurial standpoint. So please. Yeah. And it's, um, uh, there's a connection there in that is the organization builds out and grows and we look for funding, uh, seed funding in order to uh, really expand and uh, go to market as we'd like to do. There's a similarity with many of our clients who are doing similar things and having similar discussions around marketing and branding and uh, raising money and investors and board members and stock prices and uh, things of these nature things of this nature it's very much uh, lock and step with our, um, our our clientele as well so it's pouring right back into being able to guide our clients who are on many times similar journeys as we as an organization walk down this path that knowledge and now institutional knowledge that we're Mm -hmm. gathering and gaining it's actually supporting a client success uh, as well so it's just a a very um inspirational part of our journey knowing that the steps that we're taking are pouring right back into uh clinical outcomes and coaching outcomes for for our clients which is just good to be able to uh be in this type of creative space when it mm-hmm. comes to uh, the worlds of um, uh, black culture, uh, the corporate environment, uh, male identity formation, uh, and, and psychotherapeutic uh, healing and empowerment mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that really is the, the the kind of forefront and the edge. Now, something I will say that makes black mental health and i think it's wonderful that the apa just came out with a uh, a fairly lengthy apology um and significant one around their role in uh forwarding white supremacy their words mm-hmm. not mine mm-hmm. and just for those who are in, don't know apa is the american psychological association absolutely and uh for them to have this admission in uh, long form, as far as uh, how they detail the association's participation and promotion of uh, white supremacist uh, ideologies in the field of uh, psychology, it's uh, it, it's a massive um, it's a massive uh, admission that mm-hmm. I think is going to be uh, very helpful as far as bringing in more uh, people of color to the conversation and uh, forwarding healing modalities and organizations like black executive men Mm -hmm. and others that are serving quote unquote minority uh, populations. 
And the thing that I want to contribute now that they've shared that is that we do therapy a little differently. Mm-hmm. It ain't all the same. Mm-hmm. And so some of the even on the clinical pieces that um, I'd like to share is that uh, uh, there's there's uh, there's three pieces that come to mind. So the, that may be different than traditional, quote unquote, psychotherapy. So the first one is going to be around um, the first one is going to be around uh, transparency and self-disclosure. Mm-hmm. There can be what I've noticed in in, uh, in the years of uh, supervision that I've gotten around on this topic that in uh, in I guess we can call it black mental health there's kind of a an opportunity or a leaning into a bit more around transparency and self disclosure mm-hmm. that uh, that I noticed I can say from my clients that they find very welcoming and helpful in order to build a level of trust and rapport. They want to know more about a bit around my life. And I'm going to share the reason why. Please it's do. Because, in, because this, is, this is not removed of black community nor culture. And when, when I'm talking about black community or culture, I'm not talking about two black folks that know each other necessarily. I'm talking about black folks that have a common uh, agreement Oops, sorry, with narratives. Say again, we got hit with some lag there. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. No, it's not <laughs> yeah, your fault. It's the internet. So it's but, the internet. Yeah. yeah, we got some lag. So could you say that again, please? Sure. So I'm talking about agreement mm-hmm. uh, around cultural narratives, mm-hmm. uh, certain values. Now, I'm not saying there's not diversity in there as well, mm-hmm. uh, but but there's some genera- uh, generalities in there that are being brought to the table when the conversation has. That we have mm-hmm. some kind of an accord starting from that that place, and so there's uh, it's not just two random kind of strangers getting together for a conversation as it may seem is in traditional psychotherapy, and there's this, all this anonymity. No, mm-hmm. there's already understanding coming to the table around mm-hmm. that certain be it mannerisms or, or foods or mm-hmm. uh, historical narratives are already there in mm-hmm. place. And that conversation had already been on some level understood and on some level agreed upon before the conversation even began. So Mm -hmm. there's already other levels of connection Mm -hmm. that are being brought into the conversation. Mm -hmm. The shorthand. Yeah. And provide that level of comfort uh, 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 in what can be a very vulnerable uh, conversation. So even sharing aspects of that around black culture around mm-hmm. have you seen this that's happened or do you know about this that's mm-hmm. happened you say oh yeah i've definitely seen it or heard it or i'm mm-hmm. up on it or oh yeah i watched it or i heard the new album release or this artist or actor or politician mm-hmm. and we can talk about those things that would be drawn in from one's personal life mm-hmm. of what a therapist may be doing or exploring uh, personally things of that nature so that's one of the pieces of the puzzle. The uh, So I'd find there to be a bit more transparency and self-disclosure mm-hmm. and quote unquote black mental health. That's helpful for client outcomes and rapport building. Number two is, and this is, this probably is just for me, maybe personally, but it, uh, but there may be a carryover mm-hmm. and it's a level of 
passion and excitement. I'm bringing a level of passion and excitement that's of who I am to the table uh, that seems to have a rapport and a relatability uh, with my clients. Now, as I respect, this may not be a, a, an element in uh, black uh, cultural dynamics specifically, and it may mm-hmm. be just more personally how I uh, mm-hmm. orient to, to the craft and mm-hmm. what I bring to the table. But I can say there's a level of reception and receptivity to being able to elevate, you know, to bring a level of energy, a level of, um, of, um, I'm just going to say it very regularly. Like I get loud in my set. I get direct. I can get loud. I can get quiet. I can, the emotional tone and range that I can express as a uh, a therapist and a coach for that matter (laughs) seems to be both welcomed and appreciated and resonated with in my clientele as far as black mental health is concerned I can't necessarily say is always going to be received to the same degree in other places it's possible that it could be so I just Mm -hmm. can't relegate it solely or relate it solely to black culture but that is an element that can possibly find a warm reception within mm-hmm. black mental health that may be uh, off-putting or viewed as different in other settings. Well, but what you're just talking about is very much what you're also talking about with the black executive, middle and high level, is that warmth, that element of who they are has to get just to survive in that, uh, whether it's in the school environment or the work environment, often has to get suppressed. It does. And to finally be in a place where they don't have to have that suppression is liberating. I, I had a client this during the pandemic this last year who, as he put it, it's nice not having the shorthand. It's that nice in that aspect that he could just open up while he was working with me. And he was also a black man, but also a gay man that, he wasn't finding in the other places that he was able to work. So, it, yeah, you're hitting on it and it's part of us. And this is also something that is not going to be covered in our classes. This is not something that's going to be covered in our practical training. We're going to have to talk about it now. Uh, <laughs> see, yeah. So, you know, uh, I want to share the third, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the third piece, but then kind of bounce, bounce back to this piece is... Um, now th- this is where I I I, I bump up against uh, our profession, mm. and 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 this is something I've really thought about for some time, and I've gotten consultation on and uh, coaching on, and I know we have our legal and ethical pieces involved here, and yet I really, yeah, this is something I I I, I, I bit of, there's a bit of struggle here, but there's also a bit of knowing here. Mm. And it's the community element. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is an individual identity, but also a communal collective identity. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about, uh, and there's this piece around representation matters in the black community. That's to see a, you know, a black leader that's already stepped ahead and done it really opens the door psychologically for other black folks to say, hey, I could do it too. Mm-hmm. The path is clear. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can achieve this as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, to not see somebody black 
up there on that place and at that level of it can create a psychological barrier that, hey, that's not for me. And we just go back to a history of segregation mm-hmm. where that those elements were literally put in place for mm-hmm. so long. So there's well, a good... I would, I would also add to that when we get, and I know this is also written in um, Joy DeGroote's book, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, when we're also talking about black leaders who have gotten there and then closed the door behind them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or they are, they don't show they have the competence for the job and they're going to do everything they can to protect that job, which also disrupts the communal connection as well. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and these are, I think the intricacies that come, Mm -hmm. uh, with these, uh, levels of seniority and being black and then not wanting to be seen as being favorable to other black people that may be mm-hmm. coming up behind. And then, oh, uh, and then what if that, uh, let's say you bring on somebody that's black as well and they don't knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And then how does that reflect on other black people? Are they gonna mm-hmm. hire somebody? There's all this, there's all, it's so rich and so dynamic and it's so typically often Maybe not thoroughly, but pretty. The dynamics are at least, I say, uh, recognized and understood. Whether it's mm-hmm. helpful or not, it, it's it's we're able to recognize the dynamics at play where others may not be fully aware of all mm-hmm. that's going on from a cultural uh, mm-hmm. standpoint. And so, all of this uh, jockeying and the political aspects that go along with business and race are all taking place for black folks in corporate America to one degree or another. And so the last piece I wanted to share is actually it's the communal piece and it's having clients that are being able to be referred within a network. Mm -hmm. I'm going to explain what this is and why this is powerful. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. let's say, because if we hark back all the way to the beginning, of of this uh, talk talked about what is the number one problem and concern Mm -hmm. loneliness Mm -hmm. okay not just the isolation but the loneliness involved uh, is being alone but feeling as though they cannot connect with another and in putting uh, one uh, black male let's just say middle manager in connection with another That may have some insight mm-hmm. on how, because they've overcome that issue or problem. And being in tuned, in touch, and in line mm-hmm. with confidentiality laws, legally, mm-hmm. ethically, and yet having this undefined on a certain sense. Uh, network mm-hmm. okay. network is important network speaks to community it speaks to in the fold okay. having it this black men throughout corporate America that are willing and open to talk transparently with a level of emotional literacy mm-hmm. about their lived experiences and how they've overcome challenges and saying hey there's somebody in the network that I'd like to put you in touch with 
a colleague of mine. Mm -hmm. To have a conversation with that could be supportive to you, possibly around these topics, would you be open to that conversation or connection? Mm -hmm. They say, yes, fantastic. I reach out to the other person. Hey, there's someone in the network. Same thing. Not, you know, uh, divulging they're, they're, they're a client or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just saying there's somebody in the network. And I have a network. And putting people in touch consensually. Say, hey, are you open to this conversation, meeting someone? Put them in conversation. Let them take the conversation. So what they know and what the offer is, is there's someone in the network. The network is broad-based. That it could be a supportive dialogue. And mm -hmm. then connecting these two brothers together to have a dialogue and seeing what's coming out of it is a level of depth and conversation mm -hmm. and connection that they're able to have. Or potentially, if they take it there, if they choose to take it there around very vulnerable topics that one may have already overcome, the lightning speed in which it can help and support this other man to move through that element of healing or mindset or even mm -hmm. behavioral shifts is dramatically faster than what mm -hmm. I can do with them in this one-on-one -on -one experience. And it connects them with a larger community. And in doing so, mm -hmm. promotes a level of healing and empowerment that rapidly and dramatically impacts treatment outcomes. This is a very different approach than typical traditional mental health often goes down. But it ties into the cultural element that's already baked in with these clients. It's strength-based. Mm -hmm. It's a strength-based communal approach mm -hmm. to psychological healing. So though that's also a fine line that we walk over here at Black Executive Men, mm -hmm. yet that we know to be valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much so, because it's it's that center, and it's also not about the one up or one down aspect in that. They are coming oh, together no. as no, equals. No, no. That's it. And as you're telling me that, and because and, I'm also a geek and so forth, and going to get that geek element in for this. Um, this last year, DC Comics did a series, um, I forget exactly the exact title of it, but they profiled certain characters of minority telling their stories and their perspective of the entire DC universe. And the first one was with the character of Black Lightning. And there is a section in there where Black Lightning is talking to Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern, about the traumatic experiences that they have being these superheroes. Mm -hmm. Not being this essentially space cop, not being this law, hometown hero these are two men talking about the struggles of what it means to be a black superhero and deal with the moments of both their triumph but also equally their failures wow and as you're talking about this i just i can't help but immediately think about that comic and how that's also another of the continual messages in the diet and I look at the media diet that we all live with, because again, the messages too around what you're saying about being an executive 
if we look at any narrative that gets put on on the screen, it is the narrative that you're going to be there alone. Wow, interesting. I mean, not interesting, but I think uh, kind of even further revealing of what uh, at least we're uh, not at least, but what also what we are up to here at Black Executive Men. I thought about mm-hmm. the name man, mm-hmm. but that ain't it. It's the men, plural, multiple, mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. brotherhood, uh, social, connection, community. Which is a very different place to approach this whole aspect of mental health. It is, yeah. It's brilliant. It was, mm-hmm. <laughs> It weaves in the, uh, all the elements that are present. Mm-hmm. Not maybe not all. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always more. There's always mm-hmm. more. Oh yeah. But many of the elements that are uh, present and uh, creates an, um, if you say modality, but an offering mm-hmm. that can really touch upon the uh, these multiple present. Um, elements of identity and culture mm-hmm. uh, and business and yep. gender yep, and have it forwarded as a specific offer and strain uh, from and in, in, from within the larger psychotherapeutic community. So mm-hmm. happy to be able to offer it, happy to be able to teach it mm-hmm. to and the larger is, space. Yeah. And its own way, we hit on the whole myths and realities there as we talked about it even if we didn't have to go into it specifically as a title. So with that, it has been a pleasure. So where can people find you? Where can they find the Black Executive Program for their for the future? Absolutely. So uh, please go to uh, blackexecutivemen.com, www.blackexecutivemen.com. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. You can tap into our resources there for any investors that are mm-hmm. out there as well. Yeah, go ahead. Same website. Uh, reach out. Would love to uh, speak with you about opportunities to uh, invest. And this is uh, not a donation. Uh, we're, 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 we're a strong business and have an opportunity uh, for you to make some good money while doing some good work mm-hmm. at the same time. So blackexecutivemen.com would love to hear from you. Yeah, because fundamentally, we still need to keep the lights on to do this work. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, it would be great if we could always do this for free, as we may have done centuries ago. But we got to live, sadly, in this capitalist society, and we still got to keep the lights on. Because we can't be there to help you if we don't have the lights on. Facts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Joel. Thank you again. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist. This has been Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered on the Voice of America or Voice America Network. So stay tuned and we're going to have some more stuff for you later this year. So keep listening. Bye. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 